0: Greetings dear listeners, Thomas Gloom here. Office supplies get a lot of use in our daily lives. How many times in a week do you make use of tape, staples, pens, paper, and scissors? They generally serve us for menial tasks, and we don't think much of it. But what if they could talk? What haunting tales might they tell? How many pens have been used for suicide notes? How many yards of tape? Have been placed over the mouths of terrified victims how many scissors have found themselves drenched in blood calvin ellis wrote a story about this very thing and i'd like to read it to you so dear listener get ready to never look at office supplies the same again and please remember to leave a light on i have always been happy to be a pair of scissors i mean I see the pencil, and he gets worn down to a nub pretty quick. Sure, he serves a great purpose. He gets to transcribe thought. That's pretty damn cool. But he doesn't last long, if you know what I mean. The pen has the same problem. Unless you are one of those refillable jobs, but they're all arrogant pricks. I'm a pair of scissors. I've got a great function. I cut. I create. I can help you make a snowflake out of a piece of paper, or open that bag of food that will sustain human life. And that's value. One time I even cut Jacob's hair when Aaron promised him she could do a better job than the barber. And they really didn't have the six bucks to spend for him to go anyway. Now, I can't be blamed for the terrible job she did. I just set out about cutting the hair she wanted. I just did my job. As a good tool should. This morning, Jacob used me to open a package that was delivered by some suit. Jacob didn't look happy to be getting the delivery. I could see from the cup I normally sit in on the desk in the living room. He was furious. He scooped me up, opened me, and ran one of my blades under the fold in the top of the envelope, and I laid that bitch open like a champ. A razor couldn't have done a better job. The cut was clean and straight. Jacob dropped me onto the table, rather than putting me back in the cup, which is okay. But sometimes they'll leave me there for days, and that can get boring. It's better in the cup. Plus, there is a new pink highlighter I've been trying to get to know a little better. I spent a good amount of time on the table today, watching Jacob pace back and forth. At one point, he got so mad that he punched a hole in the wall. His own wall! I can't fix that. He said something about Aaron, and how he wasn't giving her half of anything. Aaron hadn't been home in a few days, so I was beginning to wonder if she had finally left him, as she has been promising to do since last April, when he left the computer on and his email open. She was yelling something about a whore when he got home that night. It wasn't pretty. Jacob's cell phone rang, and he opened it. Yet another device I wouldn't want to be. Stuck in a pocket all day long, used a lot, and then just made obsolete and replaced like once a year? With a good sharpening, I can last a lifetime. Jacob was yelling into the phone and telling someone, presumably Aaron, that he refused to leave when she came by because he didn't want her to, quote, steal his shit which I took to mean the box of Playboy magazines and the pea-stained futon he brought when they moved in together. When the call ended, he flung the phone into the wall where it exploded, yet another great reason not to be a cell phone. An indeterminable amount of time passed before Aaron walked through the front door. She was crying. Jacob was pacing again and came to an abrupt halt when he saw her. "'You have a lot of nerve having me served,' Jacob said. He was a poet, and didn't know it. "'I tried to talk to you about it, but you wouldn't stop yelling,' Aaron replied. "'These arguments normally took place in the bedroom. "'It was harder to eavesdrop when they were in the room with the door closed, "'so I can't vouch for that. "'Just grab your clothes and get the fuck out of my house,' Jacob said. "'Your house?' I'm sorry, when was the last time you contributed a single cent for the rent? Aaron returned. Cent for the rent. These two should have gone into writing lyrics for pop songs instead of Aaron choosing a career waiting tables, and Jacob taking up the demanding hobby of trying to drink away his life and her money. I did more important things around this house than pay rent and you know it, Jacob said. I assume he must mean the time he tried to build a shelf in the living room, but got tired of working on it and just put a bunch of holes in the wall that are still very present in the decor. Just get out of my way so I can get my things and leave, Aaron yelled. She stormed past Jacob and into the bedroom, slamming the door behind her. Jacob was hot on her heels and the door bounced off his face, but not hard enough. It didn't latch. He opened it and went in with a huff. I wondered if Erin would end up taking me with her. I know scissors aren't normally something one packs when separating stuff. We're more of a thing that often gets left in a drawer until someone moves, and then just transported to the next place. I like to think Erin and I have a special relationship, though. I was adopted from a Kmart store during a back-to-school sale for a buck, and I must say, it was a pretty good deal. I mean, she could have gone with one of those cheap jobs with the plastic handles, but she chose me, with my metal handle that made me feel sturdier in her hands. She was in the seventh grade, so she took me to school that year, and when the school year ended, she dropped me into the drawer of the pink and white desk she had in the corner of her bedroom. Oh, we would do everything together. We made crafts, and I opened packages for her. I even cut the tags off her first bra. That's friendship. I was honored when she left for college and took only me and Stan. He's a ruler with both inches and centimeters. Nothing too special, except he has a bit of a cork on his back that helps him not slide around so much. He's a good dude and can still give you a straight line if you need one. At college... In her dorm room, I sat in an old soup can with some pens, pencils, and this cocky protractor who thought he knew all the angles. Things were going well until she started sneaking Jacob into the dorm room. Now, I'm not one to give out people's personals, but they did some messed up stuff in that room. It wasn't long before Jacob was there every single night, and then he started hanging out during the day, too. I hated him. He once used me to groom himself, you know, down there. I never recovered from that. I wish I could just have swung to the side a little and taken care of the Jacob problem once and for all. Aaron ended up getting tossed out of school when they found out that she had a boy living with her. I think there was more to it than that, but it was hard to tell. So maybe she would see me on the table and take me with her. They were in the room screaming at each other. The door was open, but I could only make out a few words, and most of them were curses. There was a popping sound, and it went quiet for a split second before Erin started screaming. She ran out of the room with her hand on her red face. "'I cannot believe you just hit me! You son of a bitch! I'm calling the police!' She went for the phone on the wall in the kitchen. Before she could make it, though, Jacob was on her. His arm shot out around her neck, and he yanked her backwards." She scratched at his arms, but his forearm just tightened around her neck. He dragged her backward, bumping into the table I was sitting on. I slid a bit, my metallic side making that unmistakable sound as I crossed the wood surface. I had to help her. I used all the willpower I had and tried to send her a message. It must have worked, because she looked right at me. She stretched out her hand and wrapped her soft fingers around me. It felt like heaven. She swung me upward. I felt the doughy flesh of Jacob's right forearm give way to my points, and I entered him right in the center of a very douchey affliction tattoo. He screamed in pain and jerked his arm from me, pushing Aaron away. She fell forward onto the ground, and it was everything I could do to turn myself sideways so I didn't impale her as she landed on top of me. Her soft breasts pressed against my side. For a moment, I forgot all about the pink highlighter. I snapped back to reality when Aaron quickly rolled onto her back, and I saw the lumbering silhouette of Jacob coming towards me. I wanted to yell at Aaron to run, but I don't have a mouth or vocal cords. So instead, I just tried to look as intimidating as I possibly could. Jacob reached for Aaron, and I pushed forward hard and found my mark in the center of Jacob's left hand. I punched through with ease, my metal shaft ripping through muscle and skin and popping out through the back side of his hand, separating the second and third metacarpal bones and leaving his hand useless. That semester of biology that Aaron took and used me as a paperweight for her textbook paid off. He recoiled again, and I was pulled free. I was dripping with blood by this point, but it felt good. Normally, a knife would get to pull this kind of duty, but right now it was my turn. I was the tool for this job, and my job wasn't finished. With a scream, Aaron lunged forward and buried me to the hilt below Jacob's neck. I entered just under the collarbone and nicked it as I jumped in. I felt a twinge of pain as one of my tips caught the coarse bone and broke off. I dug deep and ripped at everything I could find before being yanked out again. The cool air was a refreshing juxtaposition of the hot mess that was Jacob's chest. My relief was short-lived. I was plunged immediately back in, over and over again. Aaron and I were doing the devil's dance, and she was leading, but I made a good partner. I followed her movements and executed my part with grace. I lost count of the number of strikes. It was just so invigorating, the pressure as I broke the skin and the suction of being pulled out. It was an almost sexual experience, Aaron using me to do her most intimate business. I dove deep into Jacob's left side and managed to find a crease between two ribs sliding directly into his lung. A burst of air shot out as I poked nearly an inch into the soft, life-giving tissue. And then I was out again. I could see Jacob's face, twisted and fighting to scream. He deserved this. He could have used the clippers in the drawer to trim that possum's nest he calls his pubes. Aaron thrust again. This time I struck him hard in the sternum. A cracking noise accompanied the brittle feel of punching through bone and I found my target in his heart. Warmth pulsed around me for a moment before I felt the world shift. Aaron's hand loosened and then released me. Everything shook before coming to a rest. I could hear Aaron's soft, muffled cries. I yearned to be in her hands again, comforting her. I sat lodged in Jacob's heart for God knows how long. The blood had ceased flowing hours before, and the sticky plasma was starting to harden around me, trapping me like a dinosaur in a tar pit. Then I felt it. Aaron's tender fingers slid through the holes in my handle and started to pull. It took a moment for me to free myself from the bone, but once I did, it was only a matter of pulling me out, and I was back in the light of the apartment and in the grace of her gaze. Aaron sat on her knees next to Jacob's lifeless body, staring at me. I felt like the only office supply in the world. But I was more than that. I was a murder weapon now. Aaron and I were accomplices. We were like Bonnie and Clyde. It was fantastic. She wiped me onto Jacob's pants. She may have used his shirt, but it looked bloodier than I was. After I was clean, she set me on the table again and set out to roll him into a blanket and wrap trash bags around him. She nabbed me and I cut the thick strips of the duct tape she used to secure the bags. It was nice. Not only did I help her kill him, but I was helping her hide the body. This was true teamwork. She tucked me into her back pocket and my mind raced. I could feel the curve of her backside as her jeans pulled me against her. The few minutes I was in there were the best of my life. When she got in the car, however, she wrapped me in a fast food napkin and set me in the cup holder, where I flopped around a bit. That was less enjoyable, but we were still operating as a team. The car stopped, and I could not see what was happening, but she picked me up and carried me somewhere. The night was crisp against the little bit of exposed metal I could feel. The next thing I knew, she was holding me up to her face. She kissed me, there in the sunset on a bridge overlooking the mighty Mississippi River. Eternity flew by in that moment. I lost myself in the feel of her lips, and then, before I could protest, I was cast forward into the air. I opened and cartwheeled countless times before splashing down into the cold water. I sank down into the darkness, the world closing around me as I settled in the murk and mud on the riverbed. I sit like a confused crab to this day on the bottom of that mighty river, the one Samuel Clemens dedicated his life to. Another lost relic in time, but one that served a purpose. This previously unpublished story was used here with permission from the author, Calvin Ellis. Thanks for joining me, dear listeners. Into the Gloom will be back in January with Episode 8, The Horror of Addiction with Christopher Badcock. But until then, as always, remember to leave a light on.